This program is brought to you by PersonalLifeMedia.com. Hi, and welcome to Green Talk, a podcast series from GreenLivingIdeas.com. Green Talk helps listeners in their efforts to lead more eco-friendly lifestyles through interviews with top vendors, authors, and experts from around the world. We discuss the critical issues facing the global environment today, as well as the technologies, products, and practices that you can employ to go greener in every area of your life. Hey, everyone. Welcome to another episode of Green Talk Radio. This is Sean Daly, your host. Well, we've all heard of carbon footprints, but what about water footprints, and how big is yours? Conservationists are suggesting that it's very valuable for us to consider water footprints, and if you reduce your water footprint, less water and less fossil fuels will be consumed each day, and depleted fresh water supplies will be positively impacted. Water footprints, basically how much water each of us uses every day, and that encompasses all the water required to produce the food, goods, and services used by any one of us, or a nation at large, for that matter. 36 U.S. states expect water shortages by the year 2013. Making issues worse is the fact that bottled water is very popular today. 24 gallons of water are required to manufacture a single pound of plastic. That means when you drink bottled water, you're literally consuming up to 10 times as much water as you actually drink. Since our fresh water supplies are dwindling, we really can't afford that kind of wastefulness. So what do we do about this? What are the solutions? Well, my guest today has an idea of one possible solution that he has implemented through his company, Atmospheric Water Generators. We'll talk a little bit more about that as we get into the program. For now, I want to welcome our guest. His name is Wayne Ferreira. Wayne is the co-founder and co-president of a company called Ecoloblue. They're online at www.ecoloblue.com. That's E-C-O-L-O-B-L-U-E. So, hey, Wayne, welcome to Green Talk Radio. Yeah, thank you. Nice to be here. It's nice to have you. Um, this is a, an interesting topic that we wanted to discuss, and it dovetails very well with what we're doing on Blue Living Ideas. So we felt that this was a, a good conversation to have today. And um, I understand that you have some unique aspects to your career and your the company that you work for. Um, I think what the place I'd like to start is very interesting in reading your bio. I, you started, uh, you're a native of South Africa, as I understand, and, and you actually started uh, with your career uh, with pro tennis and then sort of made a character arc uh, over into uh, the world of e- ecology and water conservation and, and water-related products. Can you, can you tell us a little bit about how you, how that journey happened? Well, yeah. I mean, you know, I played tennis on the, on the professional circuit for a very long time and, and I had you know, a, lot of, a lot of joy and, 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 and I traveled the world and I saw many places, um, you know, and I, I got to witness different aspects of each country and continent and you know, it was very uh, an eye-opener for me in a lot of different ways. Uh, you know, I kind of feel like I'm a worldly guy who understands different, uh, you know, countries and technologies uh, in the countries. So, yeah, so when I moved out of tennis and I uh, was thinking of something to do, uh, obviously originally coming from South Africa, I had, you know, the interest for me was to try and find ways to provide services or uh, technologies to, the, to Africa to try and help them with certain related things. Um, they struggle in certain ways and that. So I tried to move into the in, into the green side, obviously, because I uh, I really like that aspect of it, but also try and find technologies that would be beneficial for everybody. 
What, did you have an epiphonic moment where this, this happened, where you realized that you really, this was going to be your future and leaving the world of, of professional sports? No, not at all. I mean, you know, I, I, I thought about it a lot while I was traveling. I saw a lot of things on, on, um, you know, what people don't have, uh, the waste, um, the necessities, you know, those sort of things. So it was always a focus of me to, to, to look and to think about these things. But obviously while I was playing tennis, it wasn't really something that I could do. And then when I retired and took a little bit of time off and thought about it, you know, trying to find the right way that I can approach this and find the right technologies that would be beneficial, that would be worth worth spending the time and efforts and, and but really helpful, not just something that was just a short-term solution, but something that may have a long-term solution. Now, I know that um, your some of the literature that your company produces talks about that basically coming from the sentiment that you feel it's important for people to be independent essentially of traditional sources of drinking water, like municipal water systems, wells and, and lakes. And, and why, why do you feel that that's important? Well, I think uh, there's different opportunities and ways of finding, finding water. And um, my, my goal is to try and find a, a full renewable solution, you know, and finding water with um, people, you know, my, my main focus is, is water my second main focus is uh, is plastic, and then my my third one is the renewables. And there's many country, companies out there doing renewables and stuff, and there's some great products coming out. I'm focusing on the water aspect. Uh, I technology is is interesting in the sense that it produces water out of the air. Um, then I I do some you know biodegradable plastic side. So you know I'm trying to, to provide a solution where people can produce water. Uh, in in plastic in biodegradable plastic apparatuses and run on renewables, so you know it's all there. It's accessible. They can have it all there in one go. This it, it has a green initiative, green initiatives behind it. Um, you know, it, it's a full solution. I'm trying to find a, a way to provide a full solution to everybody. Now, this the technology that you've developed is an atmospheric water generator. How? How exactly is that any different than, or is it just essentially a glorified dehumidifier? Uh, in a sense, yes. Uh, it's doing the same sort of idea and concept of condensing water. Um, so in a sense, yes. Uh, it's just that we're able to produce uh, a machinery that can, that can work well in certain climates and it can produce water um, and uh, you know, produce pure drinking water. I mean, the, the essence is, is really is on, the, on the, the good quality drinking water that people can use for health reasons uh, in Africa or in countries where, where it's a necessity. Uh, that is all great, but also a necessity where it can be health benefits too for the, for the malnourished. So from that aspect, yes, it is a glorified dehumidifier in a, in a sense, but it also has a good water quality and you know, it's, um, the problems we're facing in the world today is we're running out of water. This is a technology where you don't need to find the water, you can, you can produce the water. So it, it has an added benefit behind it, I think. And, and is it your, you mentioned it, so I'll, I'll ask you, do you feel that we are currently in the midst of a water crisis here in the U.S.? Is it your opinion that we are? We're getting there. Unfortunately for the U.S. is that we're kind of close-minded in the sense of thinking that water is uh, is abundant and it's accessible. You can turn on the faucet and there it is and you shouldn't have to pay for it. It's it's easy to come by. I mean, you know, people are starting to get a little bit more involved in the fact that there's water shortages, that you can't, uh, you know, wash your car and you can't water your garden. So they get it on that aspect, but it hasn't quite hit them yet on being not being able to drink it. 
And that's where the rest of the world is having a much larger scale uh, problem than, than here in the U.S. And it's getting worse. I mean, we're getting uh, worse water shortages. I'm in California, and this year, you know, in Northern California, we've had a lot of rain this year, and, and we felt like it's been raining every single day for the last couple of months. And they turn around and tell us that it still isn't enough to cover just this year's amount of water that's needed, and it's not going to come anywhere near to covering the water shortages that they've had in the last few years. So, you know, water shortages are getting worse. You know, and it's one of these things, too. You, you mentioned a good point, which is that we've had abundant water, especially in the, this winter, and it's it's kind of akin to with global warming. It seems like it's very difficult to convince people when temperatures aren't increasing uh, quickly because there's this expectation, well, if it's global warming, you know, the, this summer should be five degrees higher than last summer. And there's this there's not this long term sort of view of it that people need to have. It's a very myopic view. And, and, you know, it seems like the same thing's happening with water where, uh, you know, we've had all the reservoirs that are 100 percent right now. You talked about Northern California, so I'll, that's where we're based out of. So I'll go with that. I think it's really hard to make that sale right now to people uh, in general that there is a water crisis. And even though you've got so many voices out there, filmmakers and musicians and, you know, people writing books and so forth uh, and, you know, shows like this talking about it, um, it seems like people just aren't buying it yet. Um, what do you think it's going to take? Uh, we'll talk about the U.S., for people to actually get it, um, you know, what I mentioned maybe a little bit before is when there comes some legislation to thrown in where people aren't allowed to, you know, you only allowed to shower once a week, or you're, you know, you're you're not allowed to, uh, you're not allowed to water your garden at all. Um, you know, I mean, there, there has to be some very strict regulations that need to come in to make people aware. But you're right. I mean, we're not we're not in a in a dire necessity right now for water out here, and it still is is available. But the fact is, is that it's getting less and less every year, and the um, the water shortages, and uh, you know, it's just getting less. I mean, it may not be an issue now, but in 10 or 15 years' time, if they don't control it now, it's going to be a big issue. Yeah. Well, we're going to take a quick break here on Green Talk Radio. We'll be right back. back on Green Talk Radio. Is, I'm just curious, when, when you're extracting the, the water from the air in terms of a flavor profile, is that is it any different than tap water or, uh, say, bottled water? Is it pretty much the same thing? Can you tell the difference? You can tell the difference, but the water quality is, is considerably better. Uh, first of all, there's less sort of contaminants in, in the air. Um, you know, we breathe the air every single day and, you know, we do have some pollution and stuff like that, but it's never really harmed us too much. Um, the, the air quality is fairly good, um, but the filtration systems that we use are very, very good so that by the time the water comes out, the quality of it is is, is almost on, on as, as good as you can get. So. Uh, from that aspect there too, you know, obviously depending on the environments, the more more sort of uh, bad, worse the environment is, the, you know, the, you have to change the filters more often, but the water quality is going to be the same no matter where you are. Now, I know that resource conservation or water conservation is behind your, your motivation in creating the product. And I'm just curious, how do you feel that this technology, the atmospheric water generator, um, how is that uh, more conservative with regards to our water resources or or yeah, you know, how is it better, and how is it preventing the use of more of our water resources? Well, because we don't have to use any water. I mean, we we're we're producing, we're making water, we're taking it out of the humidity, so it's there in you know in in relative humidity, it's uh, in the atmosphere, it's it's already there. We're just harnessing that. 
we're not uh, you know taking any water out of any river any stream any dam uh, you know we're not uh, taking it out of of anywhere really i mean the the difference is is that we are we are making water instead of everything else which is using water I guess my question was related to you know the hydrologic cycle and the fact that you know this is a it's a closed system though the the amount of usable water uh it can certainly change the amount of water as it's being is going into the air. You know, it's it's uh, condensing and then the evaporation. You know, the hydrologic cycle we learn when we're in second or third grade. Uh, essentially, that's still you know part of that, and that's being taken from that. But you feel that there's still a net benefit. Well, absolutely. I mean, we, we do have machines that work in different levels of, of water production. So we run on small ones up to large industrial ones. So it just depends on the size and what your application is. But absolutely, I mean, the benefits are, are, are phenomenal. I mean, I think over time and period when water becomes even more scarce, uh, this, this technology is going to become even more useful. Do you feel that this is going to be the primary technology used uh, for generating water or addressing the, the either present or forthcoming water crisis, depending on one's perspective, over other technologies? Uh, well, you know, there, there may be some new technologies that come out, but the problem is, is if, it, if you're having to use water and it has to come from a source like, uh, like snow or rain or rivers or streams and that, and this is the issue where we're getting less and less and we're using it up so fast that it's becoming a problem. If there's other technologies or ways of uh, finding water somewhere else like we're doing, uh, they, those are all great technologies and I hope they are and I hope other people find other technologies like this because we're, you know, we're still going to have a problem. I mean, maybe we find uh, with our technology we can replenish water to a certain degree where we can still use it out of the rivers and that. Um, but all technology is good, but the fact is that if you're having to use water from a resource, this is the problem where we're running out, and it's always going to be a problem. So technologies might come, but you're still having to use that water, which is a problem. And how does the carbon footprint, that's been an issue that's come up with regards to other technologies like desalination and the plants and so forth using traditional you know, carbon-producing fossil fuels um, to, to drive their uh, machinery. Um, do you have any sort of comparison between the carbon footprint of the equipment used for atmospheric water generation versus other technologies, including but not limited to desalination? Well, I mean, we also we are on different scales. We have you know smaller products which we use in the um, home office, uh, you know, which are which would be competing with the uh, five-gallon water jug companies. And our carbon footprint on that is considerably lower because, you know, we do not have to come in every uh, couple of weeks or month like they do to replace the plastic bottles. We don't have the cars that need to drive around to, to, to transport the water there. So the carbon footprint, you know, once we put our machine in there, we generally have to go in maybe once every uh, three months to clean, six months change filters. So, you know, you don't really see us as much. So our carbon footprint is much lower on that. Um, you know, when we get to our larger industrial machines, um, you know, they're also the carbon footprint is less. I mean, it's, we do, it depends on how you run the machines too. If, you, if you're running them on, on generators, then you have the diesel fuels and things like that. If you're running them on solar and wind, you know, those generally uh, are, 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 you know, people understand them fairly well. They're there and they're stationary and they, if they can produce enough electric, you know, energy to, to run the machines and produce the water. There's not too much carbon footprint from a, from a solar panel and a wind turbine. So is the company involved in any – you mentioned that some of the inspiration came from places that you traveled as a tennis pro um, that were without water, without the same uh, supply of fresh, clean drinking water that, as uh, – 
uh, other places, I imagine, uh, your own country in the U.S. and places like that. Um, are you guys involved in any sort of humanitarian uh, uh, efforts or charitable efforts with regards to bringing this type of technology and your products to those countries to help uh, people in other countries? Yeah, we are. I mean, obviously, these are places that we're trying to move to. We do actually have a couple of machines down in Haiti at the moment. Uh, obviously, their disaster was terrible, so we try to help out a bit there. Um, so we do have some machines down there. Um, we're always looking for, you know, my passion is obviously is Africa, growing up, born in South Africa and growing up there. Africa is, is a place that I would really like to get involved more heavily to provide uh, drinking water. Um, you know, we're trying to build our company to a level where we can we can uh, throw a sort of the the side of the company where we can uh, sort of give away machines and and provide uh, machines to people that can't afford to buy the machines. So that's an avenue of the company I'm trying to get to. I want to get to a stage a stage in the company where I can you know go into places and provide the machineries and and you know for for people who really can't afford them. That that's the goal really. Well, that's great. Well, it's great information. And Wayne, I appreciate you being on the program. Uh, just like to remind everybody that uh, Wayne is the co-president and co-founder of Ecolo Blue. You can find them online at www.ecoloblue.com. That's E-C-O-L-O-B-L-U-E.com. And uh, Wayne, again, a fascinating conversation, great, uh, very interesting technology, and we wish you much uh, success. Uh, and we'll hope to talk to you again sometime in the future. Yeah, thank you, Sean. It's been a real pleasure. And, uh, you know, keep doing what you guys are doing. All awareness we can get out to everybody on what's happening in the world and coming up in, in the future is good. We all need to play the part in trying to, you know, help out and do the best we can for, the, I guess, the future that comes after us. Thanks, as always, to everyone listening in today. Remember, for more free on-demand podcasts, articles, videos, and other information related to living a greener lifestyle, visit our website at www.greenlivingideas.com. We'd also love to hear your comments, feedback, and questions. Send us an email at editors at greenlivingideas.com. More great shows like this on personallifemedia.com.